Is your product or service stuck in Twitter under what seems like a massive pile of freezing cold snow? Let Overlord Services plow you out and expose this product to the rest of the world. For only $20 for three months of our enhanced service, we will create nifty images with your logo and information and post them on a daily basis. They also have yearly discounted rates. I am a client of Overlord Services. And I do have to say that not only are their services excellent, but they're really nice people. They post up my episodes multiple times per day for all of my shows without fail. And the communication that they have is second to none. I would greatly recommend that you try them out. Head to their shop at co-fi.com slash overlord svcs again that's coffee.com slash overlord services and click on shop below when you purchase their services let them know derek sent you Well, the music grows on me initially because I'm the one who chooses all the music. But this song grows on me more and more every single time I watch Scar dancing stupidly in the background during the video. I, I wish y'all could see this shit. I, I try to dance like the kids. Yeah, I still don't know what the fuck that dance is called. Where they act like they're throwing something up in the air. And then they come down and bring their arms together like Power Rangers and shit. It just looks like they're scared of something. Like something's getting ready to come into them. It's like, oh no! Like... <laughs> <laughs> I call that shit. Oh no! It's the oh no. Uh, Brandon, you good? Yeah, I went bowling, and I used to bowl, like mm-hmm. for real bowling, and so, and I was pretty good at bowling, and I had my own ball and stuff like that. And then I went bowling with my wife and her friend, and. You know, we went to like a bowling, not like a regular bowling lane, but like one of them fancy bowling places mm-hmm. where they ain't got no nice balls. You got to use the regular ass balls that regular people use. And then I try to bowl like a real bowler with the regular balls where it don't fit your fingers and it don't turn. And I fucked my arm up trying to bowl. So and that's why I had, to, I had to get my own ball. I, I also got my own ball. You're right. And I and I got my own shoes because you know how hard it is. To, yeah, to, nah, nah, fuck that extra credit shit. I I bowl in Nikes. But, fuck my arm up. So I I'm a I'm a fourteen pound ball. I think mine is really light. I think I got a ten, and I just yeah, be hurling. I, I just that's be hurling that bitch. You had a fourteen, but I yeah, the, the 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 I used to have to take like Motrin uh, two hours prior to going bowling. Because my fingers would swell up inside the ball if I didn't use my own ball. And um, then it would pop like when I would try and... Because the way I get spin on it is by... It's like the flick of the wrist. So I'm bowling and I twist my wrist over the top. 
and kind of get that nice little spin going. Yeah, what I do, if I'm using one of their balls and not mine, I'll take my thumb out. Yeah, I don't even put my I don't even put my thumb in the ball if I'm using one of their balls. Okay. Yeah, I I usually keep uh, you know the the I mean, I got these. Mhm. You know like so like usually the 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 balls with the biggest holes is the ones that I got to go with. Mm-hmm. Um and so like I had to so I would I would put the the two fingers in the top and I would just open my open my palm and, and let it sit on your hand and then you just twist it out. Yeah. Yeah, and also when your hands are this big, they're called women's delight. They, they they call them big old man hands. Mm-hmm. You got you got to say it like that. You got big old man hands. I could palm a basketball in sixth grade. Yeah, me too. You ain't <laughs> just beating nobody. I just, I just wasn't any good at basketball. I was gonna say you used to palm <laughs> the ball during uh during open court and pick up like the first time people saw you. You be standing to the side palming the ball to sixth grader and they take you and then you'd suck. <laughs> Yeah. No, I was. I wasn't. I wasn't bad. I just can't shoot. So I was pretty much like the, like, Dennis Rodman, the rebounder. Yeah, Dennis Rodman, uh, Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley was my basketball idol at that point. Um, like the, the the round round of rebound is what I I, I, I aspired to. <laughs> I feel you, and um, I think at that time mine was Akeem Olajuwon. Like I really the dream shake. But I will say that I uh, played when I was a when I was a ninth grader. Y'all got bad idols. Um, when I, when oh, I wait, wait, no, stop. What did you I say? Kim Olajuwon was a bad idol. I can never palm a basketball, by the way. No, let's not change the subject. Did you say Hakeem Olajuwon is a bad basketball idol? Yeah, the I nigga torched Olajuwon. David Robinson for seventy-one points, my nigga. This I think nigga, Akeem Olajuwon this nigga, is a top ten player ever. But Hakeem Olajuwon told me they were, that was just their favorite. Hakeem player. Olajuwon in the playoffs repoed a nigga's MVP trophy. Like, right. You know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that was the best. That nigga was so mad. David Robinson got the MVP trophy that he was like, "Yo, this a, whole a, series, just give me the rock <laughs> and stand the fuck back." I'm gonna light this nigga up, like, and that's basically what it was. I'm gonna light this nigga David up. Every oh. time I, every time I, it, like, after he won that MVP, it was like every time I see this nigga, it's on sight. <laughs> that <laughs> that nigga, that nigga, that nigga's literally the Michael Jordan meme, and I took that personally. <laughs> have, <laughs> yes. Have you have have you ever played Have you ever played ball against a, a future professional athlete? Yes. Yeah, I played against Matt Barnes. I so played. imagine, imagine you played against folks Ron Curry and and maybe no, Iverson no, no, or no, 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 because no. I didn't I didn't play basketball for school. I played when I was in ninth grade. There was a future, um, like not even a great best uh, football player named David Macklin. David Mac David Macklin went to Penn State and then he played for he played a little bit for the for the the former. Uh, well, he played for the the Commanders. The Commanders. When, yeah, he played for the Commanders, and he—I uh, can't remember where else he played. But he was just like a third-string cornerback. But let me tell you what happened when I was in ninth grade. So I got picked because we we kind of had um, gym times at the same time, like with the little kids and the and the older kids. He was a senior, and uh, they picked me because I was tall man and I was big man. So um, and I didn't know what I was doing in the middle court because it was, it was a big 
big gym and there's three courts, two side courts and then the, the main court that they play the high school basketball on, they just pull the bleachers out. Um, so I got switched on to David Macklin one time. And all I can say is my man went cross cross and then poof, disappeared. I have no fucking idea what happened. <laughs> I have no fucking idea what happened. All I know is the next thing I knew, he was behind me shooting a layup. I have no fucking idea what happened between that cross cross and the layup. That he nigga just, hit you with the great tiger. <laughs> that nigga that nigga poof disappeared and I ain't never seen no shit like that in my life. The thing about get it your is skills up, buddy. The I thing about it is Brian Scalabrini Brian Scalabrini said it once. Um, he was like, when it comes to folks, even folks who played in college ball, when it comes to the designation between him who averaged two points per season, per... Hold on one second. He was talking about the white mamba. For somebody who averaged two points per season uh, as compared to... Two points per season for eight years. He said the the divide between him and a college athlete. He's closer to LeBron than to the college athlete. And then he got he did this the challenge or the the challenge where he took niggas from Boston and they weren't just niggas off the street. They were D one players. And he lit them all up. He only they only scored like two points on them. Yeah, when he when they uh when when that um when that young dude challenged him, and he challenged he challenged him for his shoes. Yes. And it was some young dude who just saw him. He was just shooting in the gym, minding his own business. He got challenged by that young boy. He ate that young boy. <laughs> shit was embarrassing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that shit was really embarrassing. And it's like you think okay. If I just keep him out the middle, I'll be fine. But then this nigga started pulling up from mid-range, and he can't miss from mid-range. Plus, he's 6'9". The fuck are you going to do? Yeah. I got to get your game up. Okay, Brandon. Embarrassed out here. Yep. Okay, Brandon. So, who's your who's who's your basketball idol, Brandon? Your basketball role model that you got on me and Akeem Olajuwon. No, when I was a kid, I didn't say nothing. I, I didn't say nothing wrong with Akeem. I think he's a top ten player ever. I was actually just talking about this because ESPN had their top ten players. Seven, they had their there. top seventy five, and he wasn't on there. And Kobe was, and I was like, that's offensive. Uh, <laughs> well, Bob, Bob Ryan said that when you do the top players, you have to do centers and then everybody else. Centers have to be separate because that, that's just not a. It's not. It's not fair putting them in the same list as everybody else. They had Bill Russell and, and Kareem on that top ten, but they didn't have Hakeem, yeah, Kobe above him. But anyway, but I just never heard anybody say that that was their dude, that that was like their favorite dude. Oh, That's yeah. All. When I was My coming up. dude when I was a kid was Larry Johnson. I could see that. I mean, Hakeem looked way more talented than Larry Johnson, but I could see that. Larry Johnson was basically Tyler Perry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Larry Johnson was 6'4", power forward, yamming on it. I mean that's Drew. I mean that's that's basically Charles Charles Barkley. Barkley. Yeah, but he's one's in the Hall of Fame and the other one's Larry Johnson. He's a little athletic than Charles, but yeah, Larry Johnson had back problems. He was on think, his way. I think Charles is six six, right? Yeah, he's like six five, six six. Larry yeah. Johnson was on his way before he fucked his back up. Yeah, he was. He was with the running rebels. He was the reason why we wanted to go to UNLV. 
He was yeah. the only reason. That team, when they fucked Duke up, and let me tell you, they fucked Duke up bad. <laughs> like, it wasn't even close. You know what? You know, it, was one, it was one of those situations like Georgetown. Like, growing up, you thought that Georgetown was an HBCU because they had so many niggas on it. Mm-hmm. And then, like, when UNLV was, like, really wrecking shit, it was like, oh, shit, they got an HBCU. They got an HBCU in, in Las Vegas? I remember when Duke went up against UNLV. It was like watching Apollo Creed fight against Ivan Drago. (laughs) It was like, stop this fucking game. This shit is out of hand. I don't feel comfortable. Yeah, that shit was that shit was ugly. Kind of like you know Hakeem Olajuwon repoing the niggas MVP. Nigga, like seriously, like David Robinson got lit up every single way. (laughs) I've never, I didn't know until that moment, and I didn't realize until I got older. How petty Hakeem Olajuwon was in that moment. Y'all grew up like right before the AAU thing blew up, right? Really blew up, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it wasn't really like that big thing when yeah, y'all was a- that age. AAU wasn't really a huge thing, but they did have like those those three on three hoop it up tournaments and all yeah. that kind of shit. Like they had those things, but they didn't really AAU wasn't really a thing when. And I was, you you'd see you know, like when they did the the big hoop it up three on three tournaments, you'd see niggas come through from like Oakland or LA or Fresno where you were like damn that nigga should play college ball he's really good and then you'd never see him again and because all we had were like local rec league games there wasn't really an AAU circuit like it is now there might have been like one team for like Las Vegas or I'm sorry one team for Los Angeles and one team for Oakland but here in my city Nah, they didn't do that until like 2010, and now there's like 50 teams out here, and I'm like, there's not enough players for 50 teams. Do they do church league ball anymore? Church league used to be a thing. It did. Niggas used to to cuss and get teed up, and then cuss again and get thrown out. Yep. Uh, the church league used to be a huge fucking thing. My my one of my 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 older sisters, her her boyfriend played church league ball, so we used to go watch them play all the time. Did I tell you about when I went to a church and uh, played open gym in there and almost got beat up by a crip and all his friends? Wow. Yeah, because this dude was like six seven, and refused to go to the middle. All he did was stood outside and shot threes from damn near half court. And so I was in the middle getting rebounds as I could, which this is when I was like 34. So I was like, look, big dude, you ain't gone in there yet. You ain't got one rebound. You ain't gone to the middle. All you want to do is throw up threes. And every time he missed, he was like, yo, cousin, that was a that was a good shot, cousin. I had a good chance. So I just thought he had a lot of family there. <laughs> and I was like, you need to take it to the middle. I turned coach on him. And he was like, hey, cuz, this nigga over here talking, cuz. Look, cuz, we're going to have to bang him out on a whatever block, he said. And I was like, nah, man, we in a church. You need to practice patience. And me and my <laughs> me and my kids... You know, me and my sons who are both over there, they they young. They need to learn how to be godly men. And so I need you to help me teach them how to be godly men. All I was saying was you can take it to the middle every so often because you're 6'7". I don't take it to the middle. I take it to the block, cuz. You want to take it to the block, cuz? No. No, I do not. But what (laughs) I want you to do is be more tolerant of the idea of you going to the middle. I don't go to the middle. I shoot. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. I was like, man, I'm going home. This is said. <laughs> Speaking yeah, of, y'all, that's why I was. That's why I was asking because, like, I played against 
Rudy Gay in high school, who was like a legendary. High oh my God, no, Maryland. no. He was like the number. He was like number two player in the country. That yeah, year, behind no, Dwight Howard, would not want to. I played against in, uh, Matt Barnes, and that was enough. But in AAU, I played against Josh Smith. I played against Sean Livingston, Sebastian Telfair, all these niggas because they all were on the East Coast and we mm-hmm. traveled around. Mm-hmm. All them. So it wasn't that surprising to me. Uh, I think I played against J.R. Smith. He's around the same time. I think I played against J.R. Smith. I think he's from New Jersey sometime, somewhere, I think. I'm pretty sure I played against J.R. Smith. I played with Carmelo the year before. Well, two years before when I was 14 and he was 18 or 17. On the same team. Shout out to J.R. Smith. Went back to school. Nigga got good grades. He's on the golf team. I mean, the nigga's a millionaire. What you got but time to go back to school? I can't go back to school because I got to get a goddamn job. And and yes, he is from New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Also, also, unfortunately, um, for some people in this room, he's a Virgo. Makes sense. Can't get away from them (laughs) motherfuckers. So, um... His, his, his birthday is the day before your wife's. I would post Sebastian Telfair up. You think so? You could, yeah, you could. On, yeah, he's a little dude on the offense. I, good luck trying to stay in front of him. Oh, no, we'd run a zone on defense. <laughs> you, could run that, you could run that cowardly ass zone. Nigga, look, look, even if coach called for man-to-man, I'm calling a zone. I'm making an executive decision on this court. Nigga, to turn into 2K, I'm running a 1-3-1, nigga. Nigga, I am not getting washed by Sebastian Telfair. <laughs> nigga, we running, a, we running a boxing one right now. That nigga in jail. <laughs> He is? Yeah, but Rudy Gay was legendary. People <clears throat> thought he was going to be, like, so great. So did I. He I was, thought he, he was, was going to be – I thought he was going to be – I thought him and Sharif Abdul-Rahim were both going to be incredible ball players. And Rudy Gay was – he ended up being good. He ended up averaging, like, 20 a bunch of times in the NBA. But He's still there. He still plays. People thought he was going to – like, in high school, we thought he was going to be, like, incredible. Man, that sounds like Felipe Lopez. Like, they had him on the cover of – uh, Sports Illustrated coming out of New York. Like when he played for St. John's, they just knew he was going to be the next big thing and he didn't do nothing. Because Rudy was better than Carmelo in high school. And so it was just surprising. That's, that's a pain. They, I mean, I mean, they thought he was going to be better than him. Yeah, I mean, we all thought that people were better than Michael Vick <laughs> when they were in high school. <laughs> it didn't turn out that way. Yeah, I mean, I ain't never seen nobody else throw a ball 100 yards, though, so that should have been a sign right there. Yeah. Yeah, but everybody saw Michael Vick. Throw the ball 100 yards? Yes, we the did. Next year against Florida State, nobody thought anybody was better. Ronald Curry was the, it was in North Carolina around that time. Ronald yes. Curry was not doing what he did against Florida State. Ronald Curry made the mistake of going to North Carolina because at the time he was ranked number one in basketball and he football. should have went to basketball. So, but he he went he started playing basketball and realized he wasn't as good as he thought. And then he got he got injured and then realized that football was his passion. So he decided to just play football. But you went to wrong school for fucking football, dog. Yeah, that was, was all right back then, though. They weren't. No, they, that was not a. That was not for football. That's not a good. That's not a good place for football. They've it's had a few it. good. They've they've had a few they good seasons good throughout their time. They were, they were pretty good back then. Wasn't that when Matt Brown was there? They were pretty good. Yeah, wasn't that's what that, I was gonna say. Wasn't that when they were cheating? Probably. I mean, they that's when they. Cheating. That was right after they had Lawrence Taylor out there smarting, 
smoking crack on the field. I think he was there with Peppers. Like, they were pretty good. Yeah, Julius Peppers was a ball player. VA legend, Lawrence Taylor. Williamsburg represent. Yep. So, Helena's entire uh, part in this episode, she woke up in a doctor's lab, and the man who kidnapped her standing nearby, and she says, Thomas? <laughs> Thomas, like you gotta put that, you gotta put that on the end. What's of her Thomas? name? What's the one? What's the blonde one's name? Helena. 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 So I had to say Thomas like that because that's the way that they. You know, it took me a good five, six years to realize the black woman who lived with Tom and Jerry was a slave. Or was a nanny, or was a butler, or was a maid, or whatever. I thought she was a woman at the house because there wasn't nobody else in the house. And you, and you ain't never see her. You only saw her feet. Exactly. So I just thought she was the owner. And then somebody was like, no, she was the maid. And I was like, holy shit. Thomas? Thomas? Now you got you to you put a little bit of lisp on the end of that. She didn't have a lisp. Thomas? All the, all the characters are far more interesting than Sarah. Well, that's how they're supposed to be. Sarah's the the uh, straight person in the in the show. She like she's every time she's on the screen, I'm like, oh, right, I guess I mean, I guess I'm interested, but I want to see what I want to know what Kasima's doing. I want to know what Allison's doing. Well, Sarah was thanking Allison for helping out with Kira. Then she went to take a shower, and somebody entered her home mysteriously. And it you see feet, and it's Paul. And she tells him, you know, hey, come get in the shower with me. And they get sudsy. And he asks her to just go away with him since she's off the force and he hates his job. And she tells him that they could talk about it in the morning. Uh, she then has a dream about some about being worked on in the doctor's office and awakens. She goes to the bathroom. While she's brushing her teeth, she coughs up a sensor of some type, which she associates back to her dream. She looks at her arm and sees there's a puncture mark in her arm, and she goes to get dressed. Yeah, all like that, her, her, her arm doesn't feel sore at all. Right? I don't know. They they must have hit the vein the first try, unlike me, where they need like seven tries and shit. Arm be bleeding. I'm like, just go through my knuckle, fam. I'll do it myself. Uh, Paul asks her to, to leave again and says they should go to Rio de Janeiro. And she's like, I can't talk about it right now. And she goes to Felix's house, where she shows Cosima the censor. And uh, Kasima says it's an electrode from an EEG helmet that monitors electrical activity in the brain. Kasima asks where Paul was during her dream, and Felix is like, he's in on it. Kasima's like, yeah, if it was my experiment, I'd have an observer close to the subject to keep tabs and accumulate data. And she tells Sarah that she would know if they did anything invasive, and that the mark on her arm looks like a blood sample, almost diagnostic. Felix lets it slip that Sarah and Paul slept together, and while Kasima's like, that's complex, Allison is disappointed that Sarah slept with Beth's boyfriend. Beth, but then why was she, she mad? Huh? Why was she mad? Because, you know, she still feels strongly about Beth. Like, Beth helped her out when she needed it to protect her family. Beth, Beth can do no wrong in Allison's eyes at this point in time. But then yeah. she said, I, I, "Far for me to far be it for me to say something because Donnie could be a spy as well." And Sarah's like, "Hey, where's the defense fund money?" And Allison's like, "What's it for?" And Sarah's like, "It's for self-defense." 
And so Allison gives her $20,000 and tells her to use it wisely. Kasima tells Sarah to be careful because if she had a blind subject suddenly become aware, it would either become an, a eureka moment or she would terminate the experiment. Sarah then gets a call from Raj who tells her that he needs the surveillance equipment that he gave her. And we then go to Donnie at Allison's house who's on the phone with someone talking about their options if things get any worse. And Allison walks in while he's on the phone. He asks who, she asks who he was talking to, and he's like, Big Rich from work. Man, I'd hate being big whatever at work. Like, I have nicknames, but to be Big Derek or Big D at work, they wouldn't call me Big D because somebody would be like, he sexually harassed me with his name. That may but happen. Big D. Big Rich from work. Big D's in your mouth all bad for your hell. Yeah, that's how I would get fired. And he's like, she's like, what were you guys talking about? And he's like, we were talking about Susan Teller. God. And he rushed out the room. This dude looks suspicious from Jump Street. Um, Sarah and Felix go looking for the... It's not that he looks suspicious. It's just that he's such a awkward, a great actor looking awkward that the shit he does just looks sus. Sarah and Felix go looking for the surveillance equipment, and Felix asks if Paul is observing Beth. Then how can they be so sure that no one's observing Sarah? And Sarah's like, well, because Miss S can't stand me, and I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> and they search the house and can't find the surveillance equipment, but they do find a business card for Paul's job. Uh, they find the equipment in the trunk of her car, and they decide to go investigate the address on the card to see if Paul really works there. But when they arrive at his office, it's empty. It looks like, um, not burn notice. What was that movie called, Scar? Where uh, Vin Diesel and Giovanni Ribisi were stockbrokers, and um, Ben Affleck was in it. You either got a wicked it's, jump it's, shot, or you sell crop. It's not Boiler Room, was it? Boiler Room! Yes. Okay. So that room looked like boiler room when they found out that they were really just farming people. I never figured out how that shit worked where they just had empty phones and shit. But I guess you just need a fake address and then you make the money elsewhere. Have you ever seen boiler room, Brandon? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm putting that shit on the list. Um, it's like It's like Wall Street for the 90s. And they talk about uh, Notorious B.I.G. Yes. Uh, so they arrive at his office and it's empty and a woman comes in and says that they downsize you know that Beth but Paul's in a meeting so she takes him to his office and then we at the same time Allison is watching Donnie leave and she goes searching through his clothes for some spy stuff but she just finds a porn video or a porn DVD called Big Bo Big, Big Boo Blowies Big boob blowies. Like, I wanted to look that up, but at the same time, I got scared. What year did this show come out? Scar? Wait, You're what, muted. This, I'm sorry, I'm muted. This episode was released on April 27th, 2013. Why? Was it the DVD or the big boob blowies were thing that made you question? Were people still getting porn on DVDs? 2013, people were still getting DVDs from Netflix. What? Yeah. It's been that long? Yeah. People oh. are still getting DVDs from Netflix, actually. Yeah, like, so, I was making uh, a joke, uh, but I know folks who still get them. 
and they're happy as fuck that we all moved to streaming too, because they like I can get whatever the fuck I want. That seems like a highly inefficient way to live. There's an option for DVD and streaming. And it is an inefficient way to live. But some folks live in rural areas where they may not have the internet access. When Netflix streaming started, started in that. 2007 from what this looks like. But in those early days, they ain't really have shit. I was mm-hmm. watching a whole bunch of fucking like dinosaur fucking <laughs> things about dinosaurs and like before the dinosaurs. And what about I that 5G? I watched a lot of fucking nature shit back in those days because that's all fucking Netflix streaming really had. So, uh, Sarah leaves uh, equi- surveillance equipment set up in Paul's office and dips out of his room. And Allison goes to the garage and finds a lockbox and tries to break it open. And at the same time, Sarah's going through Paul's drawers when he walks into her into his office. She says that she brought him lunch to apologize for that morning and asks if he would like to talk about it. But he says he'll rather talk about the night before when they were in the shower getting sudsy. And he begins to kiss her on the neck, but then stops when he notices that a scar that Beth had once is now gone. Also, he, also to mention, all of those drawers were empty. Mm-hmm. And he asks Sarah what happened to the scar, and she's like, you know, I've been using a new lotion. Which I was like, why folks use lotion? Yeah. Um <laughs> And then he says he has to get back to work. But, you know, white folks have to use lotion. They would have never made lotion specifically for black folks at the beginning. Yeah, lotion's not just, I mean, just ashiness just shows up on our skin because it's dark. White people still get dry skin. They still got to moisturize. Now this that that shit like my one of my coworkers sometimes her ankles her ankles be looking like she's like part uh part reptile like <laughs> she look like she got fucking scales or some shit. I never thought about it like that because I I've, I've literally never seen white people like I don't know ashy or, or dry skin or anything like that and I know they talk about dry skin but I never really put it towards that I just put it towards black folks being ashy because that's what we would get made fun of when we didn't have because you lotion. can see it mm-hmm. on us easy mm-hmm. it's just like sunburn on them you can see like that like the slightest I, sunburn I it's like yeah. god damn you got I have never torch. been I have never been sunburned I've sunburned once we and get sunburned but it's just not as I don't. I, I got sunburned on the top of my head when I was out front, um, moving, putting the rocks into our front yard. I have I have only used protection one time. In and my you life. still should use protection, nigga. That should fuck your skin up, even if you can't see no, it or feel I, it. I have never, I have never, I've never been sunburned. I've never just nothing. I've never used protection either, but I got a vasectomy. I mean, I've been. Y'all need to get that. You know, you know, you know my motto. I've been raw dogging since '98, dog. Like it's real out here. (laughs) Team, leave it in. (laughs) Team, leave it in. So, um, team cream pie. He he says that he needs to get back to work and thank you for lunch. And she's like, "I'll see you tonight." So she leaves, and Paul opens a video of Beth and starts to zoom in on her neck. And then tells his secretary, Madison, to clear his schedule, and he leaves. Donnie comes home and sees Allison trying to open his box. And Allison's like, open it! And he's like, I'm entitled to a little privacy around here. And she tries to force him to open the box, but he snatches it and leaves. 
And Kasima took that fucking box. Right? Right? Like, yo, if you have a if you think something's going on, don't just stand there sounding like Ronald Isley and shit. What the hell is going on inside my garage in my home? That's all I'm gonna sing because you know. Well, I can sing that song because it's not an R. Kelly song. Yeah, right, right. Fuck, we lost so it's much okay. stuff because R. Kelly's a piece of shit. No, you can sing it. That's that's on um, the Isley Brothers. That's on the Isley Brothers. Yes. Yeah, but 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 R. Kelly wrote the fuck out of that song. But now the the real question is, do we have to lose you or not alone too? I lost that a long time ago after I saw the video of Michael Jackson and Lisa Presley all hugged up and I cannot tell their bodies apart. Who's Lisa Presley? Michael Jackson's ex-wife, Elvis Presley's daughter. They were married oh, yeah. for like a, a, a year. <laughs> yeah, something like that. And so then we find that Kasima is looking for genetic markers on the blood sample that was in the briefcase. And she also wants to sequence it for cytochrome C, the barcode gene. Shout out to my nigga Scott, son. Her lab partner, Scott, tells her that the one that, it, that that's the one that we use for species differentiation and asks, what's in it for me? And he's and she tells him, you get to have sex with yourself. <laughs> you get to go fuck yourself. No, honey. she paused. She said, you get to have sex with yourself. Like, she, she put a little pause in there. He got hopeful for, like, a half a second. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like Kasima. She seems cool. Yeah. And a woman is speaking French in the lab and apologizes for getting animated. And she leaves behind some papers. And Kasima picks them up and looks at them. And it's a report card. Uh, Sarah, even after telling Felix not to read the letters they found from Beth to Paul, has read the letters that Beth wrote to Paul. And she thinks Paul's an asshole because Beth loved him and he kept pushing her away. And Felix notes that uh, he has definitely changed his tune for, for Sarah, though, and tells Sarah that Paul is falling for her. Uh, Sarah tells Felix that she's outside of Kira's school, that Kira, she's outside of Kira's school, and that Kira's the only thing that matters at that time, and she hangs up, and then Colin comes. Sarah sees Kira and tells her it's really me this time, and Kira's like, I know. Sarah tells her that she missed her so much, and Kira's like, I miss you too, and asks why she's wearing such fancy clothes, and asks Sarah if she's okay. Sarah says she is now, and that Kira's getting so big, and Kira's like, I'm the smallest person in my class, Mom. She doesn't say Mom. She, they don't add that on to the end of sentences for like another five years. But soon, everything's going to end off with your name, and it's never in a nice way. It's I told you I did my homework at school, Dad. Right. What are you looking at, Todd? <laughs> You're not my dad, Todd. <laughs> I wish, like, fuck, Pooh Bear would actually call me by my name. She asked me that once when she was younger. She was like, Dad, what's your name? And I said, it's, I said, it's Michael, but to you, I'm Dad. And I'm well, forever be Dad. Well, 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 here's a question. Why do black folks see it as a sign of disrespect when their child calls them by their name that they hear everybody else calling them by? Not just black folks. Let me tell you what I did in middle school. Nope. Once, Answer once the question I, first. No, I, I don't think it's just us. Like, you don't call me by my fucking name. You're going to talk about a teacher. I'm talking about parents. 
No, I'm just saying, like, this, this, this white teacher who was the gym teacher, who now, in retrospect, I believe was gay. Um, not that that mattered, but, like, I didn't realize that at the time. Um, I saw on a piece of paper, when, once I got sent to the office a lot, I saw on a piece of paper that her first name was Diane. So when we were in the we were in the lunchroom and she walked through and i was like hi diane like you know what I me mean? like like i know your name <laughs> she fucking picked me up on the wall it's just don't you ever in your life use that name ever again to you i am mrs hardcore that's it you got it but yeah i got pinned up i got pinned up uh shooter got fired we're calling a white. She didn't. I mean, she didn't hurt me or anything. She, just... she would have got fired. She put hands on me. I'm telling everybody. No, I called I her by her first name and she hemmed me up. It was right there. It was right there. Look, you see where that mark is right there? That Jerry Curl juice mark on the wall. I ain't no fucking snitch. What I look like, nigga? I you look like somebody who should at least get a free day of homework passes. I, I crossed the line. She was the gym teacher. What homework did I have? I don't want to run the mile. Look at me. Look at me. I'm the, I'm the captain now. When we, play, when, we play, when we play flag football next time, look at me. I'm the captain now. Nigga, I ran a six-minute mile in middle school. I was I was acing that shit, bruh. But, yeah, no, I never understood that. Why, Scar? Explain that to me. Why do black folks get mad when their children call them by their first name? I don't know. It just, it just seems very disrespectful, like, to me. Uh, it's, it seems highly disrespectful. Like, to, to, I'm dead forever. Also, also, for this another thing that fills me with wonderment about parents. Parents get mad when their children ask why too many times or when their children have an opinion that's outside of the realm of what they think an opinion should be. Um I don't I don't really I'm not really the same with opinions. Um but I I am I do get annoyed with the whys. Because like when they get like six or so, they just ask why about everything. And you know me, I'm a talkative nigga, so like I gotta answer the fucking question. And like I, I don't necessarily feel like answering all of the questions. Like can can we stop this at some point? And they are never ending. Those conversations are never ending. Mm. Okay. That's because kids are in ditching service. That's how parents look at it. That's true. They are. Like, what, what the fuck? Like, I had kids, so I didn't have to turn on the TV anymore. <laughs> I had a kid, so I didn't have to wash dishes anymore. Like, that's that's why you have kids. Hmm. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I hate kids. I'm sorry. I, I, only, I, only, like, I only like mines. If my, my child is a disrespectful little D-bag. Um, so, let's see. Kira asked Sarah why she never told her about Aunt Allison, and Sarah responds by telling her, I didn't know her back then. And Kira says, she looks just like you. And Kira asks if someone's trying to hurt them, and when Sarah says why, she explains that because Allison said that you're trying to keep us safe. And someone's taking pictures of them all this time, and Sarah gets Kira home safely. Kasima leaves the lab to see that woman crying and gives her back her, her report card. She tells her that she noticed she was French and asked if she was going through a bad breakup. And she says yes, and that she's in the immunology field of microbiology. And Kasima's like, yeah, cool, I'm in Evo Devo, which is evolutionary development. I thought that was a really cool way to say evolutionary development, Evo Devo. Anyhow, Sarah, hmm? Would be good. 
And uh, Sarah and Miss S talk about how Sarah was Kira's age when she brought her from London. And Sarah asks Miss S what she knows about her and where she came from. And Miss S tells her, uh, you know, I don't know who your parents are. Is everything all right? And then she asks if Vic is still in the picture. And Sarah promises that her and Vic are done. Which means exactly at that same time, Vic is telling Pouchy about how Sarah killed herself with a coke on her. And that he needs one week to get his money. Which, Pouchy's like, you told me that same shit the week before. So, they cut his finger off. Allison sends Gemma and Oscar to the store to get Every candy. Every time I see no, 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 no. So, it's so much comedy. It no, is. When it's trying to be serious, I just laugh. I can't no, get like, no, the emotional part, for him. The part that made me laugh was the part that was right before the commercial break, where he just he got his finger cut. And he's just like, ah, ah, ah. I'm okay. And then and that's when the commercial hit. It was the screen went to black. And he's just like, I'm okay. And he says that right before it cuts up. Yeah, I don't get sympathy for him. Yeah, me either. Nope. So, uh, Allison, after sending Jim and Oscar to the store to get candy bars, she goes to a spy shop to get small surveillance cameras. And the kids are frolicking, and while they're frolicking in the store, they back into Vic, who tells him to stay in school while he has a bloody towel wrapped around his finger. He exits the store and sees Allison, who he thinks is Sarah, so he pursues her. And she says she doesn't know him. He screams at her, and so she maces him and tases him, and then she leaves. Yes, We're racing to get in the car. Racing to get in the car. <laughs> Allison calls Sarah and tells her that an urban thug assaulted her. And Sarah's like, what do you mean by urban? And Allison's like, not white. <laughs> I love that. I love Allison. Not white. She's my favorite. And she says that he assaulted her, but she assaulted him back. And um, she hopes that, that he isn't Kira's dad. <laughs> I do feel bad for white people sometimes when that happens. Not that I would ever say urban, but like the first, when you when you're asked to describe someone you don't know, you don't. The first thing you want, you, like you don't want to say like, "Oh, he was black." <laughs> like the, that's the first thing that comes out of your mouth. So you're trying to think of like, how do I descriptively describe this person without the first thing I'm saying is that they're black. So do you say like, oh, they had short hair, and they had urban clothes on? It's like, what are you supposed to say? So I thought that was first. She was just like, he's um urban. <laughs> I was like, she's such a white woman. This is so great. Such a fucking white woman. I thought he. I thought Michael Mando was Hispanic. He's he's urban. He, he is. He's Hispanic. That's he's, what she he, said. Not black. She said not white. He, he's urban. That's what he is, Scar. He's urban. And then not not go to. She didn't go to Craftway. Be like, we don't like Negroids. Nope. He's urban. So, um, Allison tells Sarah to let her know when she has something certain on Paul and hangs up. And at the same time, Olivier is at Paul's office and asks how Beth is doing. Sarah gets to Felix's flat as Colin is leaving. And she chides Felix about shagging the guy that they conned into claiming her body. Yeah, because she has to hide while he's leaving. Mm-hmm. And Felix is like, Colin's the, nice, the first nice boy I've met in ages. And Sarah's like, how long is that? Six weeks? And Felix is like, no, maybe like eight. <laughs> and then Sarah tells him that Vic is back. And Felix tells her that he got something off the surveillance files. And it's Olivier and Paul talking about his role as her monitor. 
Namely, if there's anything pertinent going on, he should let Olivier know. And at that very moment, Paul calls and asks where Sarah is, and she says she isn't going home. And he sends her a picture of her and Kira. And then Vic arrives at Felix's flat and gets on Sarah about tasing and macing him. She tells him that she was on a job and he would have ruined it. And he asks, where's my coke at? And he tells this her about... is a fucking moron. He said, you sat on that morgue table and held your breath. Nigga, you were there for like 10 minutes. You <laughs> know she was there. No one can hold their breath for 10 minutes. So you should have asked another question. Not did she hold her breath for 10 minutes when I was in the morgue. <laughs> That's not possible. <laughs> well, in his mind, it's possible because he's a nitwit. So he tells uh, he tells her about Pouchy taking his finger and says, if if I don't give him the 15000 I'm going to lose a finger every week and tell it like I have a lobster claw. So two more weeks? Like after that, is he going to quit? Like you're going to... Have like three. he's gonna he's gonna find Kira. No one can stop the clock. <laughs> so Sarah gives him the twenty thousand dollars, fifteen for the debt, and five for his finger. And he asks, "How did you do it? How did you hold your breath in the morgue while I was crying over you like a child?" He says they were in love, and she's like, "We never were." And asks him to leave. And Vic says, "This isn't over," and he leaves. And Sarah asks Felix to go to Miss S's house to make sure that Kira's okay because she's going back to Paul's house. Also, Allison gets back home and opens the lockbox, but because she didn't take it with her, it's full of porn. Like that same ass big boob blowy uh, disc that was underneath the drawer. He left the, he left the lock unlocked on there too. So it was obvious that he went in there and switched that shit out. Exactly. Meanwhile, Donnie's in the field burning DVDs. And Cosima tells Sarah no, he's, he's not burning DVDs, he's burning papers. Of some yeah, sort. it was like papers. Oh, I like thought it was, you know, I thought it was those envelopes that DVDs go into. Mm-mm. He's you burning know, papers of some sort. The ones like Gay Big. I don't know why I'm holding it up. Like people on the, out in the world can see what I'm holding up. But yeah, I thought it was DVD cases. Any, you know, the paper ones, the paper envelopes. Um... Sarah tell, or Kasima tells Sarah to hold off on going off on Paul because she thinks that Olivier runs Paul. She thinks that they're running a double blind where they keep him out of the loop too. And Sarah's like, I'm still going to go check that nigga. She's going to go back and be a cop. I can already tell. She already quit. She's going to go back. They told me not to touch him, so I touched that nigga. So I touched that nigga. Allison apologizes to Donnie and tells him that everyone deserves their privacy. But at the same time, she set up a nanny cam to watch him, unbeknownst to Donnie. How the fuck did he not see that? Because how often did you look in your wife's jewelry box? How, how often do I look at her jewelry box? Quite yes. often, because it's on the dresser, and like half of the dresser is hers, half of the dresser is mine. So yeah, I look you just at look her. at it. You just look yeah, at no. it. You don't look closely. Yeah, it no was sitting in the fucking. I mean, it's a really horrible. Room. It's a really horrible camera. It's not camouflage or anything. It looks like my first spy cam, but they're counting on Donnie. She's counting on Donnie to be that same dude. She knows Donnie, and Allison is the analytical one in the group. So I'm guessing if she thinks Donnie would not notice that shit, that means there's been tons of times where he should have noticed something and did not notice shit. But at this point, we realize that she thinks she knows Donnie. He didn't even notice when she had her eye shield on and he reached over and tried to grab her boob and she was like, no. 
I'm just saying, she thinks she knows her husband. Obviously, she don't know this part of him. Well, Sarah comes home, and Paul tells her that he knows Akira's her daughter. And he asks her, yo, you were in a, you were in a, a, a remember that marathon you were in? What, what was the race called, and what city was it in? Which is really good fucking questions when you're trying to catch somebody up. And she don't even try and answer. He pulls out a gun and asks where Beth is. And Sarah tells him that she's, Sarah, that she's Beth's twin. She tells him that when Beth died, she was going to take her identity and clean out her bank account. And that she didn't mean to get tangled up with Paul. And Paul says, why should I believe that you didn't kill Beth? And Sarah's like, because you killed her. Since you're her monitor and her observer. And you let people into the house to monitor and examine her. Beth knew that, and she killed herself because she couldn't understand why the man she loved didn't love her, yet would not leave her fucking house. And Sarah tells, or Paul tells Sarah that he didn't have a choice, and when Sarah asks why, Paul says they won't tell him why. They don't tell us why. And that's the end of the episode. I think Paul is going to have a baby face turn. He's going to turn good. But I knew something was up with him. I said that. Paul is a Paul is a roller coaster. He's an emotional roller coaster. Emotion. Lo- loving him ain't nothing roller easy. Coaster. But yeah, Paul Paul is a roller coaster. He'll, he'll be up and down throughout the series. Basically, he, he's a roller coaster of love. Say what? Yeah, because I mean, at this point, we realize she got him. No matter what he says or what he does, like she got him. He is he is all in on Sarah. And that that's going to carry through. So, I, I I I have feelings about Paul, but I can't say them because that requires some some long discussions about the roller coaster. Your love is like a roller coaster, baby, baby. I just want to ride. I love how Paul was just like, I thought you gave up your gun when she walks in. I thought you gave up your gun, and she was like. What? What are you talking about? He was like, "Yeah, your your left pocket is drooping down a little bit further. Can you put that on the table, please?" <laughs> like, you got the hang low. It's it's on your left side. You got the hang low. Scarry, got anything coming up? Ah, uh, nothing new. Brandon, got anything coming up? Nope. Me neither. So y'all can. Oh leave yes, I do. Fuck I'm gonna you. be on uh, Jeff's podcast recording. Uh, a show about the wash. They do not want to know that. Man, everybody loves the wash. That part oh. where the dude got hit in the head and the gun goes off is the funny one of the funniest moments in movie history. That shit is so fucking hilarious to me, and I have no idea why. I've rewound that shit like a million times because that shit was just fucking hilarious to me. See, everybody loves the wash. I didn't hate it. But I mean, it was just, it was a bootleg car wash. And like, car wash is old enough to be remade, but it didn't necessarily need to be remade. And Angel Conwell's in that film. She's bad. I don't even know who that is. Honestly. I don't remember much from the wash except for the uh, soundtrack. Yeah. Angel Conwell. She was in Soul Plane, too, I think. Oh, that's two for two. She's yeah, she's fine, fine, fine. Mm. 
Remember when we all got the uh, Soul Plane bootleg that had the unfinished graphics? Or was it just me? It was a shoe. Okay. Yeah, the, the, the graphics for the plane were not done. It was just kind of animatics in the bootleg where the where the plane was supposed to be. And then when we actually saw the real movie, it was like, oh, that's what that was supposed to look like. <laughs> so... You can leave a voicemail at 916-633-1537. The email for the show is return to Oswald at gmail.com. Scar is on Twitter at Scarfinger. Brandon is on Twitter at that cool black nerd. Black is spelled B-O-K. I'm Rashani, and the show is RTO Podcasts. Uh, you can leave a review for the show on Spotify. It takes like 13 seconds. You can also leave a review on Podchaser. Uh, copy and paste that in Apple Podcasts and copy and paste that in the Good Pods. Uh, you can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast or at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast or on the Good Pods app. There's a tip jar. Just a tip. Thank y'all so much for listening. We, we we promise we won't try to get y'all like Sony did this week. What Sony do? Uh, Sony released a new game at $70 and then they released a PS4 version with a free upgrade, upgrade for 60 Are you talking about Horizon Zero Dawn? Yes, the, 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 the yeah, it's, but, they, but but to they, quote they, to quote Bryson Bryson Tiller, I think because I don't listen to the music like that, baby, it's been that way because the Avengers had that same free upgrade. I would do everything through PS the PS five store and get everything for the PS four because everything seems on a free upgrade. Yeah, but it, it was just dirty that they you had to you had to like click on something else to to get shown the PS4 version with the free upgrade. I don't so understand why niggas mad. It's they got sixty eight percent of the people who bought it. They got them on that ten dollars. They they just got a whole bunch of people for ten dollars, and I get it. It's just ten dollars, but it's still deceptive as fuck. I don't I don't I don't I don't understand why niggas mad. Y'all knew what it was when you woke up. Yeah, I mean it's not like Sony has not lost your fucking identity several fucking times mm-hmm. <laughs> you know i had i had to have my card changed twice because of sony y'all acting like this is something new or unique from sony so no, it's just it's just some niggas dirty that's all that's all fuck with them like y'all act like it's something different anyhow thank y'all so much for listening we greatly appreciate it y'all be good we're gonna holler at you later Are you going to say peace so I can say peace out? No, I'm not even going to say it because nobody else has it. I'm going to strike this time. Okay, peace, people. Peace. We'll see y'all we'll on the next one. Yeah. Wait, you said too much. You said too much. Don't don't make promises we can't keep. What we'll if I die? The, don't say that. What if I die? Then they as, won't see me on the next one. As, as someone who cares about you, I don't want to hear you say things like that. Oh, that's sweet. But let's be real about this, Virgo, man. No, no, for real. I love you, nigga. I love you too. Shut up. Brandon, peace. <laughs> Brandon, give him the thumbs up and shit. All right. We'll holla at y'all later. Peace. Hey, this, this nigga doing a Spider Man. And I got on a Spider Man shirt right now. Hook him. Hook him horns. This nigga fully Texas made me sick. Peace.
theme music for another one was made by Makai Beats, and it's called Heaven. You can contact him on Makai.com, which is M-A-K-A-I-H.com, or you can find his beat on the Free Music Archive. This is Single Simulcast.